You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins, with insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And good afternoon, Twins territory. Welcome to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. I'm Corey Provis. Welcome to our Sunday show on a beautiful Sunday afternoon here at Target Field. It's the final game before the All-Star break. Twins have one more game left as they wrap up this weekend series against the surging Baltimore Orioles. They're winning. Tampa Bay is losing. And with that, the Orioles are just two games back of the front-running Rays right now in that very tough AL East. Twins falling last night. At the same time, Cleveland beat Kansas City. So the Twins enter here today, a half game back of the Guardians now in the AL Central race. So a lot to break down on the show today, and great to have the general manager of the ball club, Thad Levine, joining us for the Sunday show. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me on. A happy belated birthday. I'm Thank you. Pee Wee Herman. What I, do you think? I, Is that I, fair? I, uh, I do. Kind, pretty good. Kind and oddly accurate. That's pretty good. good. And as I told Danny last night, that is a costume I wore one Halloween when I was a kid. I mean, I had the gray suit, the white shirt, the red bow tie. So it's fair. You know, uh, I, can't, I can't be mad. Danny's likeness was uh, shocking and hilarious. But what Danny also mentioned, too, is there's an even better shot. Nick Nolte, he had a mugshot that was taken years ago. If they would have put up the mugshot and then Danny, then we really would have had something. But, yeah, the Nick Nolte comp, that comes up a lot. I, I Who knew that many men were seeking out that quaff? <laughs> No, I thought that was very fair. That was fun. But uh, thanks for stopping by. It's a busy day for you, a busy day for everybody. The uh, draft is taking place uh, later on tonight. The Twins have, correct me if I'm wrong, not just the fifth overall pick, but three in the top 50. Is that right? That's correct. We're picking fifth, 34th, and 49th. All right, wonderful. So right now, what is happening inside the draft room just hours before the draft actually begins? So we we bring in our scouts who cover the United States. Sean Johnson's our scouting director. He has all of his supervisors there. He also has five or six area guys each year. He rotates so that it's a learning experience for those guys. We surround them with our player development group, our analytics group, and then some of our front office guys. And we've spent the last week really debating the players on the board, trying to find out as much information as we possibly can. We know the performance, but we're trying to learn about the character and the resiliency and the health associated with these players. And now today is is a lot of conversations with uh, representatives for those players to find out maybe what the, the price will be to, to acquire them. For Furthermore, there's a lot of information floating around the industry as to who may be going ahead of us so that we can try to, as best we can, uh, plan for our pick. So a ton of information coming in today. Maybe even a sliver of it is actually accurate. Is there a, a set slotting system financially that's now in place with the changes that they've made of the draft in recent years? So there's an actual price salary, signing bonus salary associated with each slot. You don't have to pay the player a fixed amount. It basically rolls up to a amount you have for the entirety of the first 10 rounds. Uh, and if you exceed that, that you can exceed it by 5%. If you exceed it by more than 5%, 
there are significant penalties to be paid uh, in the form of draft picks in dollars uh, in, for future years. So it, while there is an assigned signing bonus for every pick, it really is more about the pool you have to spend for the entirety of the first 10 rounds. From everything I've heard and read, and I am by no means an expert at looking at the draft and, and who's good, who isn't, that's just not a, a strength and it's something that I study. But what I do see is that everybody feels that this is a very good draft. A, is that fair? And B, why? So what we historically hear from our scouting directors are if you're picking, let's say, fifth, they'll say there are four really good players in the draft. <laughs> Sometimes if you're picking ninth, there are eight really good players. I think this is different in the sense that I think that most scouting directors would tell you this is a really deep draft. Now, it's, it's not deep in certain positions, maybe a little less deep in catching, a little less deep in left-handed pitching. Uh, but the position players and the starting pitchers, uh, especially the right-handers, seem to be pretty deep. So it's really exciting to have three picks in the top 50 because we think we're going to get three extremely talented players today. You mentioned that there is some negotiations that are taking place with players and their representatives. So the, the company line is, you know, we take the best player on our board. But given the financial structure and the limitations that may or may not be there, is that always the case or your best player He's going to want a set amount, and you may overpay to get a better player at 34. So does that does that come up in conversation tonight? I, I think the exact example you gave there is the one that we're constantly weighing, which is, yes, we're trying to get in isolation at each pick the best player, but in aggregate we're trying to get the best pool of players, the best class of players that we can acquire. So sometimes what you're contemplating is, do we take a player who will accept slightly less with the first pick to get a player significantly better with the second pick? It's no different than when people are running their fantasy football drafts and maybe you are, are doing an auction draft. It's how much you spend on the quarterback will affect how much you're spending on the running backs. And so sometimes we look at it, do you want, we're picking fifth, you know, do we want the fifth and 16th best player or the 7th and 12th best player. And sometimes it's – and that's where we're relying so heavily on our scouts and their interpretation, our analytics and our models to try to identify, like, what's the best class that we can put together. But in isolation at every pick, we're trying to take the best player. Remind the audience, if you can, Thad, about the changes that were made in the CBA and they came into play for this year's draft and the lottery system because the Twins have the fifth pick. They did not have the fifth worst record in baseball last season, how do the Twins go from, say, 13, 14, 15, up to 5? So every team that doesn't make the playoffs has a chance to get the first pick in the draft. I think we literally may have had a 0.5% chance to get the first pick. I think point of fact, we had like a 5% chance to get the fifth pick. So as we were watching, and this was done at the winter meetings this year, they actually had the lottery, which has been historically done for the NBA and some other sports, and they started pulling the envelopes. And once we got past 13th, which was our predetermined slot and we weren't picked 13th and so we now knew we were in the top 12 there was elation in our room there was a real exhilaration and so I think what they're trying to do is to really dissuade teams from tanking so what happened in this year's draft they the Oakland Athletics had the most the highest percentage chance along with Pittsburgh and Washington of getting the first pick in the draft they fell to sixth Kansas City, which was a team in our own division that we had, we had a better record than they did last year, they're picking behind us. So it's dissuading teams from tanking with the thought in mind that that will 100% correlate to picking high in the draft. And they're trying to make everyone compete as far into the season as they possibly can. We hope never to pick in the top five, but if you're going to do it, this is the way you want to do it, where we had the 13th worst record, but we get the fifth best pick in the draft. Was, was enough done in the in the labor negotiations in terms of teams and tanking? You, you bring up a really strong word there, 
to avoid teams from going down that that dangerous path? Well, I think this is the biggest driver. You know, I think long has been the case where ideally the best case scenario is to win and to go to the playoffs and have a chance to excel in the playoffs. Unfortunately, you could make an argument the second best thing to do would be to lose. The teams that haven't necessarily helped themselves either for today or tomorrow, the teams that finish in the middle of the pack, you're not making the playoffs, but you're also picking 15th, 16th in the country where you don't necessarily get access to the best players. So what we've seen teams do, the Baltimore Orioles uh, you referenced in the opening, the Houston Astros, the Chicago Cubs, those are teams that lost for a prolonged period of time aggregated some real talent at the top of the draft and now have gone on to have real success. Uh, that that was There was a real motivator to do that and an incentive to do that. I think what the commissioner is trying to do with some of these new rules is to disincent that team from tanking and make it more important to be in the middle of the pack because now we have more playoff teams. So you may squeak into the playoffs with a record that's not that far north of uh, 500 and you still have a chance to get in the playoffs. And what we saw last year was the Philadelphia Phillies as a lower seed actually ultimately get to the to wor- the World Series. I think the, the commissioner loves to see that. It gives us more incentive to be more competitive. One more thought on the draft, and then we'll move on. We'll take our break, come back, and talk about the team. But I, I was surprised that during the labor negotiations that it was not agreed upon that draft picks can be traded, as it can be in other sports. Why was that not agreed upon? Was there one side that was more hesitant than the other? So I, I think it's something I will say the general managers would love to do that. Um, and and I think under the guise, really, of, it just gives you another avenue to improve your team. It's another asset that you can determine whether you want to trade or acquire, and it's a different way to build your team. I think there's still some concerns from the, the league office and maybe from the union that it will lead to agents bullying teams into not selecting players because they just won't go to their team. I also think there's some concern that, uh, let's say we were on the hot seat, we may be inclined to trade away our future for the now. But I do think when you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, they're, they're the regulators there that can be put in place so that you can only trade a certain number of your future first round picks or top 10 picks are, are always protected. So I think there's ways to protect the, the game from hyper creativity yeah. uh, by general managers. But I think until they really have a handle on that, they want to be very cautious going into that discussion. All right, good stuff here with Thad Levine. We'll take our first break. Come back. We'll talk about the ball club and more. Get some injury updates. Uh, Polanco, Fieldbar, other guys. That uh, What are they going to do during the All-Star break? We'll dive into that with Thad and more next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Probe is back with Twins GM Thad Levine, and this is the 91st game of the season coming up today. Twins are 45-45. and 45. Bigger surprise from your perspective the way that the starting staff has performed and really not regressed all that much or the inconsistency with the offense? That's a great question. Um, let me address both. I, I think we're, we're, we built this team with an eye towards improving the pitching. We would be misleading the audience if we said we thought they would be performing at the level they're currently performing. Was it possible? Absolutely. But the consistency we've gotten out of our starters has just been excellent. And I know a lot has been made of the lack of offense. Even in the face of the lack of offense, uh, this starting rotation has kept us in the vast majority of games. What we saw yesterday was such an anomaly. You know, We were talking about in the suite that 
you know, even in the face of giving up six runs in an inning, Sonny Gray ends up going six innings. And we, you know, there was always that solace you would find in talking post game of like, but at least he posted for six innings. And like, we've had to find that solace so many times in past years. We really haven't had to this year. We've been treated to so many quality starts and our starting rotation going into the sixth, seventh inning. Uh, keeping us competitive, even against the backdrop of our offense not really hitting its stride yet. So the uh, the, the pitching's been excellent. I'm so happy for Pablo Lopez to join Sonny Gray. Certainly there are other guys who could have qualified. I mean, you you have uh, Joe Ryan has had an excellent season. And, oh, by the way, Bailey Ober's just sitting with a 270 RA or yeah. whatever he's got, and that's not even taking anything away from John Duran at the back end of the pen who's just been excellent. So I think we could have had a lot of uh, guys, members of our starting rotation in pen who could have been all-stars. I'm so happy that two of them are going to represent us. On the offensive side, we've seen some fits and starts, but it's been it has been surprising that we have not had more continuity and consistency out of our out of our group. I, I'm, we're hopeful that we've hung around 500 clearly all season. We're in the right division to do that and, and remain competitive, and we have not seen the best out of our offense. So there's a lot of reasons to believe that our pitching will maintain. Uh, and continue at the rate that it's been. As you mentioned, it's been doing it for 91 games. That's no longer a small sample size. And if our offense can manage where we believe the best days are ahead of us, I think we still feel so optimistic that this team has a real chance to make uh, real strides in the American League Central. What did you take away from the the players-only meeting uh, that the group had in Atlanta after the last road trip and the changes that that the hitters especially wanted to make with how they now go about their, their daily hitters meeting. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think if you're around a team for 162 games, managers, leaders of teams are tend to be very, very judicious as to when they have these types of players-only meetings or the proverbial closed-door meetings, because I think you can only have so many of them in the course of the year and still have an impact from those meetings. So I think, you know, you look to the expertise of Rocco Baldelli and the leadership of our team headed up by guys like Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa and Kyle Farmer and Christian Vasquez and those types of guys. I think it, the timing is really important on those meetings, and I think they felt as if we had clearly gone long enough into our season where we were not getting the results that we expected from the talent we had on the field. So I don't know exactly what was said behind closed doors, and you know, purposefully they wanted that to be a players-only scenario. I think they've made some adjustments in how we're preparing, but candidly, I think that's probably a short-term fix. Like I think we're going to go back to getting as much information as we possibly can, but I think there was just a sentiment that we had to do something different. That was the, the easiest thing to do differently. I think once we start hitting our stride coming out of the break, I think we'll go back to business as usual and start hopefully seeing our, our offense click on the cylinders that we've been seeing our pitching all season do. So it would, it would almost you know, surprise you if the hitters did not bring back the staff members you know, in that room in a way that they haven't been doing lately, but maybe when we get everybody back together in Oakland and start the second half that – you know, the, the, the hitting staff, the hitting team is back inside that room with the players? I, I think yes. I mean, I, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball, but I also would say I think the notion that the players are doing it in isolation right now may be a little bit overstated. I think they're just getting that information a little bit differently from coaches and from staff members, maybe a little bit more individually, a little bit less en masse in a room altogether, but that information is still flowing from staff members to players prior to the game. Now, I want to shift it to uh, Byron Buxton right now, and we've we've addressed this a few times, but considering that we're now 90 games in, 91st game coming up today, Cedric Mullins made an awesome home run saving catch uh, on Friday night that changed the whole scope of that ball game. That ball goes over. Who knows how that game plays out on Friday. And Danny made a great call. He said, if that doesn't stoke you know, Byron's gut 
to want to get out there and play center, what will? Right. So where are we at in terms of Byron Buxton? And at some point, will either yourself or Derek or Byron or Rock will just say, hey, this season, Byron is just not going to play center field. That's where we're at. And we'll reassess in the offseason. Hopefully he's back out there in 2024. Yeah. So, I mean, addressing a few components of what you shared there, uh, you know, I just want I'll get to the to the question you asked, but I do want to hit on a few points. I think you highlighted a, a very subtle point there, which is obviously Cedric Mullins is an extremely talented center fielder, dirty SOB for catching that ball. <laughs> um, but am I wrong? No, he's uh, up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is just the number of balls that Byron Buxton in particular has hit extremely hard recently to not have hits to show forward. So a lot of positive signs there from Byron. Also, I'd like to mention, uh, I want to say it was the game one against Baltimore where the very first hitter of the game, Gunnar Henderson, hits a ball that uh, Michael A. Taylor ultimately dives in, in charging in and makes a hell of a catch. So right. I, he, he also has been a, such a bright spot for us. That said, of course, I think we believe the best version of the Minnesota Twins includes Byron Buxton spending some time, at least in center field, if not a lot of time out there. So it's an ongoing conversation. I think it was you and I have talked about before, there's a lot of people who are participating in this conversation. I think the ones that are most central to the dialogue, Nick Paparest, our head athletic trainer, our strength and conditioning group, and, and Byron himself. You know, So those are the people that we're really leaning into to understand when and if the right time is to to push him out to center field. I would say behind the scenes right now, we're doing a lot of defensive work with him such that when that time comes, we then don't say like, okay, now we need three weeks to ramp him up. So I think there's some things that are being done on a daily basis to help position him to be able to go out there when he's ready. But we're real, we as a front office and even Rocco, I think, are really leaning into our medical staff and ultimately Byron to give us guidance as to when from a risk profile because we just really are focused on making sure he's in that lineup as often as he possibly can because he's tracking to have the most played appearances he's ever had in his career. Now, one more on that, then we'll take our last break. So this ramp-up that you're talking about, that completely not closing the door on Byron playing center field this season, will that have to include, and he'll have to accept this, some kind of minor league look in St. Paul to go play center? For, for a week, would that even be in the conversation? I, I you know, once again, I, I know, I, I wish I could sit here today and give you definitive answers to all this, uh, for, mostly for our fans, but I also know you're a, a big fan as well. That Those dis, those decisions will be made ultimately by our training staff and by Rocco and, and, and by Byron. I would say I would be quite surprised if uh, it would include him slipping on this, the St. Paul Saints jersey. Like, he's just too important to us up here. We're going to figure out a way to do this. We're going to figure out a way to do it seamlessly where he can just transition into center field. All right, we'll take our last break, come back. Injury updates, Polanco, Thielbar, other guys. When we come back on your home for Twins Baseball. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with GM Thad Levine. All-Star break begins later on today, but for some injured players, what does this break mean for guys like Jorge Polanco, Caleb Philbar, and even Brock Stewart? This is another blessing where we have St. Paul so close to us. Uh, so th- those guys are going to stay here. Uh, all three of those guys will be working out. Uh, we have a physical therapist, Adam Diamond, who is very gracious with his time. He'll be working with those guys on a daily basis. I think, uh, point of fact, I think Brock Stewart and Thielbar both threw a touch-and-feel bullpen uh, on, in the bullpen today here. So we'll get some feedback just as to how they're feeling. All of those guys are ramping up in a positive light. I think the goal would be to – they have a few hurdles yet to, to summit, and once they do, we'll hopefully get them out to St. Paul. Uh, get him playing, and then ideally back to the Twins in short order here. So, so perhaps when the team is on the West Coast, at some point during the, the A's Mariners series, one if not all three might be playing for the yeah, Saints. So, so I think we, I think each of those guys does have a, a few baseball activities that they need to check off the box before they get cleared for rehab games. But I think our hope is that th- those three guys will be coming back in the near term and bolstering this team as, as we, we sur- surely need. And then certainly behind them will be a, another wave of guys headlined by Royce Lewis. As we get to the, the, the second half here, starting on Friday, innings restrictions, are they in play for a guy like Joe Ryan or even Bailey Ober? So uh, we, we have been judicious as we can be in times where we've been able to give those guys an extra day through the course of the schedule. You know, if we have an off day, we tend to push all of our starters back and, and give those guys rather than pitching every fifth day, we're pitching them every six days. So we've been doing some subtle things throughout the year to try to manage their innings. But right now, those guys have been pitching so excellently well, and we're hopeful that we're able to continue to lean into them. Hopefully the offense will come and help them out a little bit. But right now, with the the emphasis on the starting pitching, we're going to continue to ride them. One thing that I think we will try to manage coming out of the break is just who starts game one, two, and three, and four, and five is another means of giving guys a little bit of an extra blow. Now, with two guys in the All-Star game, it will be impacted based upon whether or not they pitch in the game. All right, Thad, thanks for your time today. And the Twins, they, they should pick around what time tonight? So the draft starts around 6 o'clock, three, three minutes per pick. So I think fans should look for our pick to be around 6.15 to 6.20 tonight. Sounds good. Thad, thanks for your time. Good luck tonight. Thank you very much. And we thank Thad Levine for his time on this Sunday afternoon. It's the Twins and the Orioles. Game three coming up momentarily. Joe Ryan, Kyle Gibson, the pitching matchup today. Lex's pregame is coming up in a bit. Thanks for listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer on your home for Minnesota Twins baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, folks. Somebody said there's more similarities between the killer and I than you might think. We both played first base during our careers, me more than him, and we both hit several home runs over the years. (laughs) He more than I. And we both love to drink his hometown root beer. Cheers, Harmon.
Kilbury Old Fashioned Root Beer and Cream Soda. Pick up a six-pack or case at your neighborhood Lunds and Byerly's grocery store. Tell them Herbie sent you. Killabrew, it's how memories are created and legends are made. 